Hello innovators, welcome back to the Innovation Intern with your host, Emily. So nice to see you guys back here. Happy Monday. Hope it went well for you. Hope you're not too tired like I am. Uh, if you haven't noticed, I'd say uh, take a look at your screen and see if you notice anything different about my station. I'll give you... I'll give you 10 seconds to figure it out. Nah, I'm just kidding. If you haven't seen it yet, I have a new logo and a new background color for all of my content. That's pretty exciting. I've been meaning to change my branding since I started um, Anchor, but I never really got around to it. I wanted to focus on the content more than the look of my station. But my friend Lauren over at Sunwell was kind enough to throw around some ideas today. And she actually came up with this awesome logo for me. And because of that, I also had to change my background color so that it would look all nice for you. So, let me know what you think about that. It is two eyes, but it's kind of in the shape of like an at symbol. Also, it's kind of like a swirl to show that things are happening, things are moving, and sometimes you think of the future as like going into this abyss where things are swirling around you. I don't know, that's just my artist's opinion. Um, the other part of it is it also kind of looks like an E or like a happy face. I don't know, there's so many ways you could go with it, but that's pretty exciting. Let me know what you guys think about it. Um, but the premise is supposed to be, you know, two eyes for innovation intern. Anyway, today I will be talking about mental health, as I had promised a few days ago, some stats on that, some interesting developments in that space, some innovations that are happening, and what I think about them. So stay tuned. I meant to update this sooner, but my mom called me in the middle of me recording, and that was kind of awkward. I was on a roll and then all of a sudden my phone rang and you could hear it in the recording and I was like, Ugh, and then it just stopped it. Um, so let's start over. Uh, before I get to my mental health segment, um, do, has anyone else noticed that Anchor has put new background tracks in um, to be available for you to use behind your audio. Uh, I noticed this when they did their update with discussions, but I haven't heard anyone else talking about it. I kind of like them. I think the Galaxy one's my favorite new one, unless that one was always there, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Have you guys tried it out? Like, what do you think? Anyway, on to the regularly scheduled programming. If you want to hear about mental health innovations and technology happening in this very important space as well as some statistics and knowledge around mental health in general stay tuned let's start at the beginning mental health includes our emotional psychological and social well-being it affects how we think, feel, and act. It also helps determine how we handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage of life, from adulthood and adolescence, from, sorry, from childhood to adolescence through adulthood. 
That is straight from the mentalhealth.gov website. People often use mental health when they mean mental illness, and it's very important to distinguish the fact that, you know, those things are different. And I've done it too by accident, but I think it's just lack of understanding of the difference. So when does poor mental health become a mental illness? So symptoms of mental illnesses last longer than normal and are often not a reaction to daily events. When these symptoms become severe enough to interfere with a person's ability to function, they may be considered to have a significant psychological or mental illness. And that's from BBC Science. So there you have it. (laughs) That is the difference between mental health and mental illness. And I wanted to make that distinction before we move on. A few quick statistics to get you up to speed on why mental illness is so important and why mental health needs to be talked about. Depression is the leading cause of disability worldwide. That's from The Guardian. And few people get help. 76 to 85% of serious cases of mental illness went untreated in low and middle income countries and 35 to 50% of cases went untreated in high-income countries. That's a big deal. That's a lot of people who aren't getting the help that they need. And that contributes to these numbers. $51 billion is the price of economic burden of mental illness in Canada. This includes healthcare costs, lost productivity in the workplace, and reductions in quality of life up to and including 500,000 Canadians are unable to work due to mental health problems each week. 500,000 people each week in Canada alone. This number is obviously higher worldwide, but this is just for Canadians. Also, one in two people who are Canadian by age 40 currently have or have had in the past a mental illness. This is all from a paper called The Life and Economic Impact of Major Mental Illnesses in Canada 2011 to 2041 on behalf of the Mental Health Commission of Canada 2011. So these are pretty solid stats and pretty unbelievable. Right now, the people who usually get help um, obtain it in different ways. So there's different types of treatment. There is talk therapy, which usually usually consists of cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy, CBT, uh, group therapy and support groups, which can cost hundreds of dollars per session. There's also medication that can cost up to $200 a month. And then there's more extensive treatment, which can cost tens of thousands of dollars, depending on what you are looking for. The innovations that are happening, though, are usually around the talk therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy area. It takes a long time for some people to see a professional and to talk to a mental health professional, whether that's a psychologist or psychiatrist, 
So there are a few companies, startups, apps that are addressing the gap in diagnosis, the gap in treatment, and the gap in wellness in some pretty interesting ways. The first company I want to talk about is Akali, A-K-I-L-I, and they're going about diagnosing and assessing mental illness in a in an innovative way. So this is what their website says. At Alkali, we're in the process of building clinically validated cognitive therapeutics assessments and diagnostics that look and feel like high quality video games. When I read that, I thought that was pretty sweet, but I was also a little bit apprehensive. And they go on to talk about how they are functioning on the premise of neuroscience research and consumer-facing technology, and they're able to measure neural function and intervene in any measured deficits wherever the patient may be. So if you think about this in a broader term, this means this company is able to measure your brain by the way that you interact with your smartphone or with your tablet or with this high quality video game that is masking as a therapeutic device. Not sure how they're going about that, but they said the science behind their technology platform was developed at the University of California, San Francisco by Dr. Adam Gazzali founding director of the UCSF Neuroscape. Apparently, there's a patent-pending new software-based method to measure and improve a key system of executive function known as interference processing, TM. That's from their website as well. This is pretty intense, and it looks like one of their games is already doing clinical trials. It's called Project EVO, EVO. And they're able to measure your cognitive sensitivities by playing this game. Which is crazy. And if this kind of technology is out there, for good, it's probably out there for bad as well. It's not available to play yet, it's not clinically proven yet, but they want higher quality, ultra-frequent, more sensitive cognitive data for use in clinical decision-making and clinical trials. So imagine you go to be part of a clinical trial and they tell you, hey, download this game, It's pretty fun, looks good, sounds great, fun to interact with, it's a great time all around. Uh, Just do that while you're doing this study. And they'll be able to have, apparently, extremely sensitive information about your brain. That's pretty, pretty insane. Right now, the Project Evo is currently 
being evaluated to treat ADHD, but apparently there are different versions of it that will also treat autism, depression, Alzheimer's, and traumatic brain injury. I'm all for this, if this is how it's going to be used. I think that's amazing that they can use games to measure cognitive ability. I'm just concerned that this data could be quite sensitive and something they could sell to someone for future use. I mean, part of me is always going to be a cynic. This is a very interesting innovation in this area though and something I will be closely watching in the next little while to see if these clinical trials actually go through and what kind of implication that will have on healthcare in general. If you can read someone's cognitive ability through their smartphone, there's no limit to where that can be used, which apps could use that, what companies could use it for, for good and bad. Gamification is a trend that has been steadily growing and has been around for a long time. Gamification or elements of it can be found in almost every corner of our lives. For example, a surgeon developed a game using tools that are similar to what he uses in surgery to help him hone his motor skills and other surgeons who use this video game, which is called Underground, end up performing a lot better in surgery than people who don't. There's also studying games or math games that combine learning basic math skills with games to teach kids how to add and subtract and etc. And if you're a 90s kid, this would remind you of such a game called Math Circus. <laughs> For those of you who don't know about it, it was a, a game that tried to get you to use fractions and math to complete these very low-res games. But it was all we had, so we had fun with it. But this is different. Akali is using this game not to get you to really do anything, but as a very pretty face to some very personal, I guess you could say, some very deep information about you and your brain and how it's working. Like I said before, if this can be used for good, great. If it's going to be sold off to the highest bidder, I question it heavily. The science behind it seems somewhat sound. I mean, I'm not a scientist, but Pfizer, Shire, Amgen, Autism Speaks, the Univers University of Washington Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences is um, looking into this as well, so they have some pretty hard hitters on their side. Let me know if this is something that you'd be comfortable engaging with. I don't know if I was in a clinical study or if I was experiencing a mental health issue. I don't know if I'd want to use something like this. It might help to diagnose me better. It might help manage my symptoms better as a person with mental illness. I'm not sure that 
it's necessary though that level that depth of information is it really going to make a difference As for the mental health side of it all, maybe gamification is what they need in order to motivate people to give them the information that they need to treat them better. Games can be a powerful motivator, they can be a powerful incentive, and they can be a really fun way for people who are running clinical trials and treatment programs to get the information that they need. at the intersection of technology, data science, and healthcare. They want to use the world's health data so that people enjoy healthier lives. Recently, they were in the news because their leader left and decided to join the team at a app called MindStrong, or a company rather, that is probably going to become pretty pretty big soon. So MindStrong is redefining behavioral healthcare by transforming how we diagnose and manage these disorders to improve outcomes. So what does that mean? That means that they have identified a way to understand every interaction that you have with your cell phone down to scrolling through your contacts, stopping at certain points in your newsfeed, every microsecond of interaction on your phone and being able to use that to diagnose, track, and detect people who have mental illnesses. So right now they're running a study of 600 people with an unnamed um, insurance company in the States to see how viable this model is, and they're also running a study with Stanford to see what kind of clinical trials and results that they can get out of this. This is amazing. If they're able to diagnose mental illness by the way that you use your phone, this can close the gap of people who don't get diagnosed and who don't get treated. Sometimes the first step to be able to get care is to be diagnosed. There are millions of people in the world who are undiagnosed and that sometimes makes it so that they don't know where to get help or the care that they need isn't available to them because they aren't actually diagnosed and this could break down that barrier again it all comes down to the data and how you use your smartphone which is also a concern <laughs> as always because data can be used in any which way almost but if it can be used to diagnose and track mental illnesses this is something amazing that could be used in the world for good. With Tom Insel, MD, who's the founder and president, Rick Klausner, MD, 
who's the founder and executive chairman, and Paul Dagum, MD and PhD, founder and chief executive officer, heading the team. I have a lot of confidence. So, what do you think? This is all the information that I can get right now. They have four patents on their website. They have quite a few investors. They have a board of directors that's pretty solid. But that's it. That's all we get to know. They raised $14 million in Series A funding, so it looks promising. And quite a few people have talked about this app. Especially because the scientist, Tom Insull, left Google in order to do this. So it must be pretty promising. I would definitely recommend keeping your eye on MindStrong, whether it becomes an application or just a program that healthcare professionals can use. There's definitely a potential for smartphones to become the most powerful computers in our lives. Not just because of the, what we can use and what we can get out of them, but how we can use the data that they're getting from us. I could probably talk about mental health innovations and the companies and applications that are solving problems in mental health care all day, <laughs> but I think I will stop at just a few. This next one is called Sunrise Health, and it's actually available to try out for free right now if you're interested on their website, sunrisehealth.co, and uh, you just have to sign up or send in an application or contact them, and you'll be able to try it out for free. So if that's something you're interested in, you can hop on that. So Sunrise Health, their area of expertise is that they are a group therapy application where you're put in a group of five to seven anonymous peers you can turn to for support at any time. And this anonymous group chat is also run by a licensed therapist. So a psychiatrist or a psychologist. They are not anonymous. You actually know who they are. Uh, their last person last names are on there, their photo, and you can talk to them directly either with one-on-one -on -one voice calls or even traditional face-to-face -face meeting. But the core innovation is in this group therapy application where you can actually be anonymous. Group therapy can be great because you can connect with and get support from people who are feeling the same way that you are, and it can help you on your road to recovery and treatment as a person with a mental illness because you're able to relate to other people who are going through the same thing, and you know that you're not alone as much as you might feel like it in a certain point of time. The really cool thing about this group chat that happens through the application, which is all text-based by the way, is that there is a an AI that is running in the background that understands natural language and is able to process it. What's really interesting about this AI is 
it can actually understand what you're typing in the group chat to your peers and to the therapist and understand when you might be in crisis mode and it can alert the therapist or other mental health professionals and you can get help before it gets too bad. The natural language processing can also understand how you're doing and where you are on the road to recovery based on the kind of words you're using and how you're interacting with people in the group therapy session. Not only that, but it can keep track of how well you're doing, if you're staying on, t on track with your regimen, and it can understand small, minute details that might make it easier for someone to understand what you're going through and diagnose you and treat you correctly. There are diagnostic reports, polls, and tests that the therapist and other mental health professionals can give you through this application that would also paint a more complete picture of who you are and how your mental illness is affecting you. On top of it all, this application can allow a network of doctors, therapists, licensed professionals, and others to refer you to mental health professionals if needed. So if a therapist has decided that you actually need to see a psychiatrist, they can refer you and you can set up a face-to-face -face or voice call meeting with them and get the treatment and the attention that you need for your illness. It's pretty much all-encompassing and it gives you an ecosystem of help from your group chat and your peer support to a therapist, to psychiatrists and doctors being able to understand and diagnose you better using information from this application and the AI that's always collecting data on you and how you're interacting. Overall, it's a pretty crazy concept. I mean, the little pieces of it, the group chat and whatnot might not seem that groundbreaking, but being able to do this all anonymously through a screen name and not having to face the fear of judgment can be a barrier broken down for people and could be the deciding factor on being able to get help. Your phone, this group chat, this app, and the people who are behind it can become your personal healthcare team and allow you to get better especially when it comes to mental health. I swear I'm not working for them, and this is not a paid advertisement or anything. This is just something that I've stumbled across, and it seems to have a really big potential on how it can positively impact people who are experiencing and dealing with mental illnesses on a daily basis. Alright, that was a mouthful and a lot of information for you guys. I hope you got something out of it and you found that interesting. Let me know if you'd like more in-depth analysis and discussion on topics like this. Uh, mental health is kind of an anomaly for me. 
because it is one of the things I am passionate about. But otherwise, I think I'll stick to either having one overarching theme or my two-story little snippets. Um, thanks so much for tuning in if you stayed here this long, and I will be publishing a couple of Collins right after this that I got while I was recording. Wasn't expecting it to take this long, but you know, I'm happy to do it. So here is the first call-in from Sales Talk who has some pretty nice things to say. Hey Emily, this is Joe Lemon checking in from the Sales Talk radio show. And I uh, just had to say that your brand new logo is dope. I definitely thought when I first saw it, it was a smiley face. So I'm like, oh, she's trying to, you know, push out some positive vibes. <laughs> and of course, after I listen to your actual podcast more, that is what you do. So keep up what you're doing. And, you know, um, I'm just curious, too. Is it better to have uh, a, a straight logo over like having a straight face pic? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm torn because um debating whether I should throw a logo up, too. But either way, scrap that. Back to you. You're doing great. And I look forward to tuning in more. Hey, Joe, thanks so much for calling in. That made me feel so good about uh, my new logo. Yeah, it does look like a smiley face. It looks kind of cute. When I first saw it, that's what my mind went to as well. And I'm glad that you enjoy my station and you think I push out positive vibes. I mean, I try to. Uh, Innovation can be scary and it can be terrifying to look out into the abyss and see all these crazy things happening. But... I try to keep a positive spin on it because, you know, there are enough cynics out there and people should come here to hear about cool, interesting things that'll kind of brighten their day and give them some information. As for your question, I think it has to do with who you want to be on Anchor. Personally, I think that people who are known by their names are the ones who have face pictures. So for example, a lot of the YouTubers, because their name is their brand, a photo of them is what they use. But for other people, like I know um, my friend Lauren, who runs Sun Whale, who also designed this logo, um, her, her station is more about big ideas. So it's less about her personally and more about the content she's creating. So she made a really cool logo of a whale and I love it. Um, as well as my friend Austin over at UX in the World. His station isn't really about him. It's more about his brand and what UX means to the world. So he has a logo to reflect that. That's um, my opinion. So I would say if your sales talk radio is more about you personally, stick with your face photo. You look very handsome in it. But if you want your station to be more about the content you're producing and to be focused on your specific sales talk and not about you as a person, it might be a good idea to find a logo that is easily recognizable as a bigger brand than just you. That is my take on it. I'd be interested to hear what other people have to say about this, but that's what I have to say about it. Thanks again for calling in. Wow, Emily, I am completely unbiased and I'm totally in love with your new look. (laughs) Uh, But seriously, I I was really happy to make this for you. I know you've been wanting to uh, 
develop a brand for a while, so I was happy that I was able to assist, and I think it looks great. So keep up the good work, and of course I will be tuning in to your talk on mental health. Wow, thanks so much, Sunwhale. You know, a really great person designed it for me, and I couldn't have done it without her. I Honestly, when I saw that little doodle on that, I think it was a blue sticky note, I knew it. That was it. It was like love at first sight, and <laughs> it wouldn't have been possible without you. Uh, thanks so much for your support. I, of course, will be tuning into your station as well. For those of you who haven't heard, Lauren from Sunwell and I are best friends and wanted to do a podcast together, but alas, the stars have not aligned just quite yet. So in the meantime, check out our in it, my interview that I did on her station about the new Anchor update, and check her station out. She has some pretty cool content, and I've never heard of a brain whale until she talked about it. So if you want to know what that is, go and check her out. In the meantime, I'll be over here talking about innovation stuff. Thanks, Lauren. Alright, well, I think that sums it up for me today. Thank you for tuning in to the Innovation Intern once again. I look forward to hearing all of your thoughts and opinions about the innovations that I talked about today. As always, you can find more episodes saved on my channel on Anchor and call in and start discussions and I will be here to answer any questions or respond to any thoughts that you might have. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you later, innovators.